0: Welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. My name is George Sapio, and this week is the first week of our Halloween play readings. Our selected play for this week is The House Rules by Diana Lee Woody. The roles are Zoe, played by Melanie Euler, and The House, played by David Rom. Our play opens as Zoe enters her new home.
1: Yeah, Mom. I'm here. I just got the keys from the realtor. Sure, next week is fine. The rest of the furniture should be here by then. Okay, talk to you tomorrow. I think I'll just make a sandwich and go to bed. Hello? Is someone there? That's funny. It's not windy outside. Oh well, old houses have strange noises. Oh my God! What is that? Hello, is someone there? Get out! Did you just tell me to get out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? The house. The house? Oh come on! Is this some kind of joke? Who is this? I'm a house. I can prove it. Get out. I can't. The door's locked. If you want me to get out, unlock the door so I can get out. What? You did just tell me to get out, didn't you? Yeah. But
2: I didn't really mean it. It was just, you know, talk. I don't see how, why you have to take it so literally.
1: Well, as a rule, I don't usually have conversations with disembodied voices in houses. I've seen enough horror films to know that if a house tells a person to get out, they should get out.
2: But that's not the way it works. You're not supposed to
1: actually get out. You're supposed to be frozen with fright or running upstairs into the attic. Running upstairs into the attic? Why would I do that? That's the worst place to go. I'd be a sitting duck. Okay, uh... What about
2: trying, trying to call someone and the phone disconnects mysteriously as you're trying to explain what's going on to the operator at a freakishly slow
1: pace? That sounds like one of my nightmares.
2: There you go. You're getting into the spirit of things. Your nightmares have a true
1: fear What in the world are you doing? I'm being spooky. Does that frighten you? No, not anymore. Now it just kind of seems silly. Silly?
2: I'll have you know.
1: i send chills down the spine of thousands of women. Well, I just think you're being rude. If you really wanted me to leave, you could have said it in a much nicer way.
2: No, no, no! You're not getting it! I don't want you to
1: leave. I want you to be gripped by fright and screaming and hiding and, and... You know, for a haunted house, you're pretty needy. Is that all
0: I am to you? A house?
1: Yes, you are a house. A creepy, needy, talking haunted house. And frankly, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Then why don't you go? Because you locked the door. If I didn't lock the door, you'd leave. What? That doesn't even make sense. What do you want? Do you want me to leave or not? I was kind of hoping you'd run up into the attic. What is it with you in the attic? Look, this is ridiculous. You're an inanimate object. I don't even know why I'm talking to you. This is not logical. Why can't you be like the other women? Other women? What other women? Ooh, that
2: got you going. Yes, there are other women. Someone's
1: jealous. Why would I be jealous of you haunting other women? Methinks thou dost protest too much, Patrice. Patrice? Who's Patrice?
2: Oops. Did I call you by another woman's name? Jealous now?
1: (laughs) No, I'm not jealous. And you know what else? I'm not going to get out and I'm not going to run up to the attic. This is my house, and you are going to stop this nonsense immediately. Have I made myself clear? Zoe! You know my name? Yes,
2: I know your name. I know about you. Does that
1: freak you out? No. You probably heard the realtor use my name.
2: (sighs) You know, you really suck the life out of a haunting.
1: What? You're kind of a drag. Drag? Who says drag anymore? Just how old are you? I'm
2: 200 years old. And I think I look pretty good for
1: my age. Well, yeah, you do. Really? Yeah, sure. Why else would I consider buying you? You look great. You're a good-looking house.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Well, it's the truth. So, why is it so important for you to scare me? Because I'm a haunted house! I'm
2: supposed to scare you, and you're supposed to be scared. That's the way it works. Why are you overanalyzing this? You're not supposed to analyze me. You're you're supposed to be frozen with fear, cowering.
1: Why aren't you cowering? All the other women cowered. When was the last time you haunted anyone?
2: Why do you ask?
1: Well, you seem a bit old-fashioned in your expectations. I mean, for a ghost. Or a house, or... What exactly are you?
2: I don't know. I guess I haven't really
1: thought about it. You have to know what you are. Everyone knows what they are. I told you, I don't know!
2: Okay, okay.
1: Did that scare you? Kinda. Yes! I mean, I'm sorry. You're sorry? You're sorry that you scared me? Yeah. No. I don't know.
2: They've got me all mixed up. When I started out this morning, I knew where I stood. I had it all planned out. I was supposed to scare you, and you were supposed to run up to the attic and cower. But you didn't cower. You didn't even run up to the attic. And you just started asking me all these questions, and I thought, that's not what she's supposed to do. That's not what the others did. Why weren't you scared?
1: Well, I was scared. Kind of. Really? Because just don't know how to read you, Zoe. Welcome to the 21st century. Oh, this was a mistake. The other houses were
2: right. You can't go back. Nobody gets frightened anymore. The world is too sensible for me. I have
1: no purpose anymore. I give up. Don't be so down on yourself. It's not you. It's me. I'm a sensible person. That's who I am. And you're a haunted house who has certain expectations based upon your past experiences. I get it. But I've made up my mind. I'm not giving up on this house. I mean, you. I've spent my life savings on you, and even if I do get my money back, because my realtor should have disclosed that my new house is haunted, the simple truth is, I love this house. I mean, I love you. Really? Yes. I fell in love with you the minute I saw you. The wraparound porch... The stone exterior. The gabled archway. You took my breath away. I did? Yes. You're an amazing house. And I need you. This is an important step in my life. You never forget your first house. Are you crying? No.
2: Maybe. It's just a... I've never had anybody tell me that love.
1: Well, maybe if you didn't frighten people, they might.
2: But it's what I do.
1: Yeah, I get it. And we're going to work through this. Together, you and me, human and house. I'll help you get over your haunting habit. Sounds like you're trying to change me. All houses need a little remodeling. Okay. Now, first of all, I really think we need to redo the living room. I'm thinking more modern. Zoe, could you do me a favor? I guess. But we have a lot of work to do, so make
2: it quick. I have some paintings the other owners left. I think you'll like them. They're in the attic.
1: Seriously? The attic? Don't you trust me? Um, well... Relationships require work from both sides, Zoe. If you don't trust me, how can I be expected to change for you? Fine. You're right. I'll go to the attic and get the paintings. How can I expect you to change for me if I don't change for you? Trust is a two-way street.
0: was house rules by diana lee woody this is on stage off stage i'm george sapio and you are listening to wrfi ithaca community radio and this is week one of our 2014 halloween play readings we caught up with our first playwright diana lee woody and of course we had to ask her about the stressing of logic in zoe's character and where that came from
3: yes i'm a physicist and i also have a biology and- chemistry background for undergraduate, so i always like to put those things in peppermint my stories
0: okay so what kind of physics do you do you work in
3: uh, i work in the aerospace industry
0: okay um a little more specific because that's uh, kind of a kind of or is it classified <laughs> is it classified diana
3: uh, well, no, I'm just a quintessential rocket scientist, I guess, if you want to say that.
0: Folks, we actually have a rocket scientist on the show today. I am so thrilled. You briefly mentioned that this somehow works its way into your writing or affects other parts of, of your creativity.
3: Well, I, I started out pretty much writing stories involving scientists and because that's what I know. And scientists having uh, romantic comedy scientists making uh, youth potions, scientists, dealing with actors, because I also do some acting, too, and improv and writing. So I kind of take all the spectrum. So I just seem to always, without even trying to, put some physics, biology, or chemistry in there, too. Would
0: you classify your work as science fiction, in a way?
3: Not necessarily, because the other stories I've done have been horror and uh, comedies. I would say, overall, my... Main theme is comedy. I just like to write stories that make me laugh, and hopefully other people. I think taking improv classes really helped work with the uh, writing laughter story, writing comedies.
0: How long have you been taking improv?
3: Think about, well, here, I've been taking it since 2005, and um, and then a couple of years before that, when I lived in Ridgecrest, a small, a very small desert town.
0: Gotcha. Do you perform improv? I mean, do you do shows, that sort of thing?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I work with uh, Improv for the People right now, and we do shows like once or twice a year.
0: I mean, that's to me. That's how do you manage doing that? Did did it frighten well, you in the beginning? You get used to it. Uh, how do you how do you deal with that?
3: Well, honestly, I've done acting, and um, part of the reason I went into physics and into improv instead of acting or biology is that. I just don't have a memorization for details or a good memory for details. So I'll remember lines, but then I'll kind of forget parts of them. But with improv, I can kind of make it up. You know, Or with physics, it's not a lot of memorizing a lot of details. It's kind of solving problems. So the improv is kind of like an extension of that. It's just solving problems and just kind of listening to people. And that, that's, that's the kind of fun part for me.
0: You're talking about improv, making it up as you go along. Okay, reacting to whatever is being thrown at you in that particular moment. In a sense, it's very, you know, meisner that sort of thing. To me, physics is one of those things where everything follows certain rules, and everything has to follow those rules. You've got formulas, you've got... You know, F equals MA, you've got uh, E equals MC squared. And how does that work with you? And how do you balance one off against the other?
3: Well, I think they're both similar because it's kind of creative. Like engineering might be, has more precise, this is the rules and this is what we want to get. One thing I learned in, in uh, grad school is that they're going to give you problems and you're not going to know what the answers are. There really aren't any definite answers. In fact, they are not even answer books that you have to find someplace else. So you're kind of brought with the idea of – or starting with the idea of you have to solve a problem, and that's science too, that any kind of science experiment, you're going to have to solve a problem, and you may or may not find the answer. People work on things for 20, 30 years, so you kind of have to be – creative and say well we take this and we put this with this and maybe we've got that there's really no eureka moments it's more of like what was that How? Well, let's figure that out so i find it's the same thing with improv or with writing actually is that you're given these little uh, facts maybe like the f equals ma or this is the way humans react to things and then you have to work with that but then it, then that's the creative part of making it um Something unique, but still within the confines of the rules, which would be the F equals MA, or the, uh, well, this is just what humans do or do not do.
0: Because when you're trying to get down to what humans do or not do, forget it. It's, you know, anything goes. I mean, that's kind of why we have theater in the first place, just to show us the, the unpredictable, strange, you know, weird side of our natures. How'd you get started writing plays?
3: Well, I've done it ever since I was a kid, actually. Every time I've wanted to uh, assess a situation or something got a little bit too much or coping or anything, I'd make a, a parody of it. So I've been, basically been doing this since I was a little kid. I took a year off from uh, doing The Rocket Scientist to go to the New York Film Academy... Uh, in Universal Studios okay, and yeah. and I was doing acting there I came for film and someone said you talk like a writer you should go to UCLA and get a screenwriting program or something which I did and I've got a certificate writing screenplays then but okay. it's always been my idea of fun and this year uh, a friend of mine said well if you're doing this for fun why don't you start submitting things and that's when I just started submitting things <laughs>
0: Well, you've had actually some decent results with your submissions. What was your first one?
3: The first one was Irreconcilable Similarities. That was about dealing with my ex-husband who came out of the closet and, and us wanting to be still best friends, and it was a comedy written around that because we had too many similarities. So it was Instead of irreconcilable differences, is irreconcilable irre- similarities. So that was kind of the impetus for writing is, is just kind of – Write about that. Make a comedy out of it.
0: I notice, at least in House Rules, um, you have a you feature a very strong female protagonist. Is this is this a theme that runs through your work?
3: I, you know, people say it does, and I think I play with both parts because I like to balance the creative side and then balance the very logical side. And so sometimes the guy will be the logical one. Sometimes the girl will be the logical one. But I like that balance of the two, I guess, because I have both sides myself that I battle with or whatever I have the arguments with. But, um, yeah, usually just the... I wouldn't know if it's really strong, but it's just logical. Like, I like my female characters. I guess they're kind of like me, so they just think logically. And for House Rules, um, I just thought it was always funny that... When a house actually yells "Get out!" to you, white people don't get out. <laughs>
0: Just a <that's laughs> sensible thing.
3: If a house yelled at me... Because the
0: movie would be five minutes long. That's
3: exactly. It's like if, if a house yells at me, then I'm going to leave, basically.
0: Your protagonist here, um, Zoe, She first she tries to run, and then the house won't let her out. And then we get into the area of what you've just been talking about, which has always bothered me about a lot of you know horror movies, is the the fact that they are ridiculously illogical. Right. Someone
3: calls you up on the phone and says, and starts pranking you, well, you should hang up, basically.
0: Yeah, duh. Running up to the attic.
3: Yeah, they always run up to the attic, don't they?
0: Uh, Why?
3: (laughs) I don't know. I'd run out of the house, personally. Uh, I uh, guess.
0: You seem to hold logic in high esteem. Do things that are illogical annoy you or just... Get under your skin? What's 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 going on there? Oh, I wouldn't say they get
3: under my skin because that's kind of – you can't deny your human part of you, so you can try to be very logical. I've had friends, some of my science friends try to say, we're going to deny our our human part or whatever, but you can't. It's there. But I just like playing with it. And I, like I said, I like the battle between logic and uh, and the creative part, the, the emotional part and the logic part. Because I think in everybody there's always a battle between – well, I shouldn't do that, but I kind of want to do that, and mm. I think that's a play that's always a battle between battle in everyone's mind, I think.
0: A lot of comedy is based on the fact Fred. that we as humans are ridiculously illogical.
3: Right, because you're going to do it, because you're going to run up into the closet or up into the attic, and <laughs> it's going to happen. Or well, you could run into the closet, either way. I, you know, to... Hide in the closet. I think Jamie Lee Curtis did that in, in Halloween. She just hung in there, hung out in the closet with a uh, a hanger.
0: It's yeah, one of my favorite. It's the yeah, the first one is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my favorite. Is the first one. Definitely. Yeah. Actually, what's what's your favorite scary movie? Is is that it?
3: Yeah, that would be it. I oh. love it. I like recently. I like Cabin in the Woods because that's just that plays with the same kind of factor that um, everyone's doing the stupid things, but they're only doing the stupid things because people have made them do the stupid, the wrong make the wrong choice. So that right. one's kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Are you the kind of person that reads the great true ghost stories at night when you're alone?
3: I I, I would like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I grew up loving horror films. We had gore, had creature feature when I was a little kid, and I'd always beg to stay up late to watch that. So I always, always like this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I, I loved scaring the heck out of myself. I don't know why. Because I'd it's, always end up scared. and I, Then I'd be like, why am I doing this? Because <laughs> it's fun and it spooky. is fun. <laughs> ah, working with improv for so many years has to have some sort of an impact on your playwriting, the way you write, uh, being so working so much with spontaneity and and just going with what your gut tells you. How does this? How does? How does this affect your playwriting? I mean, or does it?
3: I, I think it definitely does in that there's certain factors that like yes anding. So now I've got to the point of where um I'll have a character say something and I'll say what's the yes and to that? So it doesn't stop so it doesn't stop it. Like uh, you know, I went to the store, yes when I got eggs and yes when I and they were rotten or or something like that. But that way it kinda helps the dialogue kind of continue and not stop. So they're not yes butting it, which would be stopping the conversation. Plus the kind of listening that just kind of learn I, I kind of make sure that my characters listen to each other unless unless I want them to be talking at odds with each other and that would be a characteristic trait um, yeah and just the try to just the figuring out what they what they would say based on what just happened um, in the last thing so it's, it's basically the listening and the yes and I think I get out of this out of the improv.
0: Uh, Diana Woody, it's been an absolute thrill to talk to you, and we had a great time with House Rules, and good luck in the future with your physics and your improv and your playwriting and scaring the heck out of yourself.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
0: As usual, we close our show with the onstage, offstage arts calendar. I want to remind everyone first to check out our website onstageoffstage.org, for the full podcast of every single one of our interviews. And I want to encourage everyone within listening distance to sign up for our mailing list. Just hit us with an email. Send it to info at onstageoffstage.org, requesting that you be added to our list, and we will honor that request post-haste and forthwith. All right, kids, hang on, because here we go. Currently playing at the Kitchen Theater is Stephen Dietz's play Lonely Planet. Only Planet runs until November 2nd. For tickets and information, please visit kitchentheater.org or give them a call at 272-0570. Tonight is the second evening of the first production of the Homecoming Players brand new season. Amy and David Sedaris' play, The Book of Liz. That's it, kids. Tonight is the last night to catch it. The Book of Liz is at the Kitchen Theater. For information, please visit homecomingplayers.org or kitchentheater.org. And Ithaca College presents its second production of the season, the Frank Lesser Musical, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. How to Succeed in Business opens November 6th, and that's going to run until the 13th. For tickets and info, go to ithaca.ticketforce.com or go through the Ithaca College box office located in the Dillingham Center, which is open Monday to Friday from noon to 5. Their phone number is 607-274-3224. And opening November 6th, also, is the Ithaca Shakespeare Company's all-female production of Julius Caesar. Yep, Julius will be stabbed in the back by her friends and colleagues, and that'll happen until November 16th. show is at Fall Creek Studios, 1201 North Tioga Street. For tickets and info, please visit IthacaShakespeare.org. And that, kids, is going to be it for the onstage, offstage arts calendar. As always... Find yourself a real good friend and have some amazing theater, and we'll see you next time. On stage, off stage is produced and hosted by George Sapio and aired on WRFI Community Radio, eighty-eight point one Ithaca, ninety-one point nine Watkins Glen. Air times are Tuesdays at six thirty p.m. and Thursdays at seven thirty a.m. New shows are every second and fourth week of the month with rebroadcasts on the first and third weeks. All shows are archived at onstageoffstage.org. For information, email us at info at Find us on Facebook and Twitter. OnstageOffstage, Offstage, radio for theater geeks. Oh, and real people, too, of course. WRFI, Watkins Glen, Ithaca.